الله سبحانه وتعالى إن الحسنات يذهبن السيئات وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كل بني آدم خطاء وخير الخطائين توابون صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين الحمد لله رب العالمين So we're continuing on the series uh, that was started by our Hazrat Sheikh Tamim Hafizahullah Ta'ala and then continued by Maulana Kothar um, but we have a short series on hadith so I just wanted to share just a couple of words uh, time is short we're also not going to spend a lot of time on this but just as a, as a small reminder and also for the sake of keeping the majlis ongoing for that dawam ahabul a'mali illallahi adwamuha wa in qalla that the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those which are the most that are continuous even if they may be small or few so with that um, we're still going to speak on a hadith and the hadith of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, uh, but we won't be doing it from the tartib of uh, that Shaykh had had it on, which was the recitation of the Nawawiyah. But nonetheless, these are still a hadith, inshallah, so we'll read them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that indeed your good deeds, good deeds wipe away evil deeds. And the ulama, they mention that when a person commits a sin, that immediately he, he should follow that up with a good deed. So that it's one for one and it clears it out. This is the, from the Quran. And then the Nabi alayhi salatu mentions in a, in a hadith that Kullu bani Adam That all of the children of Adam, all of mankind are mistake makers by our natural disposition. Our natural khilqa is, is that we are mistake makers. We will make mistakes. This is part of insaniyat. This is part of who we are. So sometimes people, when they make mistakes, they beat themselves up. They get very depressed. They get very sad to the extent that it becomes actually too much. Their whole day and their night is if only I made this decision sooner in my life. If only I hadn't done this thing. If only I didn't do this thing. And then that stays in their mind for all of their life. If only I just didn't do that thing. If only, if only, if only. Despite the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam is teaching us, all of mankind makes mistakes. However, then he follows it up by saying, وَخَيْرُ الْخَطَّائِينَ التَّوَّابُونَ That the best of those who make mistakes are those who continuously make tawbah. At-tawwab is a person who's doing mubalagha, he's doing continuously. You are continuously seeking forgiveness from Allah. And in another hadith, I don't remember the exact wording, but in another hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us, may have been a hadith Qudsi, I think, but the Nabi Sallallahu basically teaches us that if we did not, if insan did not make mistakes, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala would get rid of this ummah and bring a new ummah, a new creation that would make mistakes, that would then seek Allah's forgiveness, and then Allah would forgive them. This is how important it is for us to understand that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is forgiving, and that insan is mistake making. It's in our very nature to do so. So to slip up, to make a mistake is part of who we are. But to remain in that mistake, this is not appropriate. It's not acceptable. To stay in that, to make that your night and day, to just reflect on that mistake that you made. No. That you, that the ulama mentioned, I believe, I don't know if it's a hadith also, I should double check this before saying it, but uh, this statement that even feeling that regret in your heart after having done something is a 
type of tawbah. It's a type of asking of Allah for forgiveness. Why? Because when you feel nadama and you feel regret, you hate the fact that you did that thing. It's what it is as a, as a quality. You, you are not happy with the fact that you did that thing. This is nadama. This is regret. So with that and along those lines, the Prophet ﷺ teaches this very beautiful hadith that all of Banu Adam, all of mankind are going to make mistakes. Muslim or not Muslim, kullu bani Adam will make mistakes. But the best of those amongst us are those who make tawbah. So we understood this ayah of the Quran that do good deeds for indeed good, uh, you know, your good deeds wipe away sin, your sins, your mistakes. Then the hadith of the Prophet والسلام, that all of mankind will make mistakes, but the best of those who make mistakes are those who uh, ask Allah for forgiveness and who make continuous tawbah. And so now with that, I want to mention two stories. I want to share two stories. Two stories of, of incidents of tawbah. And inshallah, we'll just wrap up the evening like that. Uh, inshallah, it'll be short, sweet, beautiful lesson. The first story is the story that impacted my life personally. Uh, before my beloved teacher, Mawlana Hashim Hafidahullah, was my formal teacher, uh, formal teacher, I had met him once at a program that was, I don't know what year it was, subhanAllah, it was a long time ago, and he was a guest speaker there. So he just showed up, and I remember seeing him, and anyone who had the good fortune of meeting him or seeing him can tell the moment you see him, he's an Allah Walla person, he's a God-fearing person, mashallah, he's a waliullah. May Allah protect him. He's actually, he got hurt recently. Allah grant him shifa, inshallah. So I saw him and I was like, subhanAllah, what an ajib person. He was wearing all white and mashallah, he's a very nurani person. So at the end of this, I don't know, three, four days program, we were there to do some khidmah, you know, we were young, mashallah, we had the energy to do so. We were up all night and awake all day and no sleep in between. Uh, so, and, you know, after a while, you know, one of the ulama that was there said, you know, these people were here, you know, serving the ulama, maybe if you can spend a few minutes with them. So we were, it was our good fortune that we had a, a moment to sit with him. So it was very noisy outside, but he gave us like, I think it was 11 minutes. And in 11 minutes, he told me this story. After this story, I was, you know, it changed my life really. And he told me the story of a very famous person by the name of Bishr ibn al-Harith al-Hafi. And he told me the story of Bishr al-Hafi, and it stuck with me. I mentioned it on Jum'ah, and I'm mentioning it now. Because it was such an impactful story. Bishr al-Hafi, for those who are unaware, was a very rich, very pompous um, person who uh, used to throw very lavish parties. He was known for that. He would have women there, he would have music there, he would have alcohol there. He used to throw the biggest parties. And everybody knew him for that. He became famous for that, actually. And, you know, one day he was having one of these really, really big parties, and there was a knock on his door. And he was half, you know, slowly getting drunk, he was getting tipsy that night, and his servant girl opens the door, and there's a person standing there. And this person just randomly asks his servant girl, Is the owner of this home a slave? or a free man. So she's thinking, a slave or a free man? So she said, uh, of course he's a free man. Otherwise he wouldn't be able to throw a party like this. 
Only a free man can have, you know, women and alcohol and music and all this type of a party, having all the ashraf and all the, you know, noble people there, all the big, big hot shots there. So he's a free man. So that person who knocked on the door said, yes, of course, he, he, he clearly must be a free man. Because if he was a slave and a servant, he wouldn't be acting like this. He turned around and he walked away. So Bishr al-Hafi, half drunk, half aware, kind of heard this conversation at the door. So he runs to his slave girl, his jari, and he asks her, what, what was that conversation? Who was that person that knocked on the door? So she said, there was a person, he knocked, I opened the door, and he asked me this series of questions. He says, is the owner of this house a free man or a slave? So I said, he's a free man. Otherwise, how can a slave throw a party like this? So then he said, yes, if he was a free man, if he was a, if he was a slave, he wouldn't act like this. So Bishr al-Hafi ran out of his house upon hearing this, looking for that man. And he ran and he ran and he ran until he finally found him. And he caught up to him. He says, are you the one who came to my house? He goes, yes. He says, please repeat what you said to my servant girl. Say it to me. Say it to me. So he said to him again. He said, I asked her plainly, simply. I said, is the owner of this house a free man or a slave? And she responded that he's a free man. And then I said that, yes, because if he was a slave, he would not behave in this fashion. Rather, he would act in, this, in, the, in, the, in the style of a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Bishr al-Hafi, upon hearing this, fell onto the ground and he started making dua. And he says, oh Allah, bal abdun ya rabb al abd. No, oh Allah, I am, I am not a free man. I'm a slave, oh Allah. I don't want to be a free man. I don't want to be, I want to be a slave. And that was the moment in the life of Bishr al-Hafi. That was his tawbah. And Hafi in Arabic means he was barefoot. And how did he get that title of barefoot? Because he ran out of his house without any shoes on when his ser servant girl told him that he left that way. So he left without thinking, he just left. And the ajib thing is, is that in the story of Bishr al-Hafi is a couple of lessons. So there was a, a couple of lessons. The first is, is that look at the condition that Bishr al-Hafi was in. He was throwing a lavish party. It was, it was the party night, actually. It was the night of the party. There was music, there was women, there was alcohol, and he himself was a little drunk. So now, when we look at other people, and we see the condition that other people are in, and then we, in our selfish minds, say, look at that guy, he's lost. That guy's gumrah. That guy's gone. What's the point? Forget that guy. Let's go get the other guy. You know, let's go bring in the other guy. Look at the condition that Bishr al-Hafi was in and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted his tawbah. That he was barefoot, half drunk, coming from a party of fisk and fujur and he just made, and he only had one thing that he did was he fell on the ground and he said to Allah, no Allah, I am a servant. I don't want to be a free man. Ya Allah, I don't want to be a free man. That was his statement of nadamat and regret and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted that from him. So the first lesson is, don't go based and judged on, don't judge based on that external, ever, ever. Because if Bishr al-Hafi, there was hope for him, then there's definitely hope for everybody else. There's definitely hope for everybody else. I mean, that's like being, imagine, I mean, don't imagine, but imagine, like if a person was like in the middle of a club, this is basically all of those things, right? Music, girls, drinking, it's the in middle of it. And there's hope for even that person. 
And they're, you know, they're immersed in that. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is that Bishr al-Hafi went to the person of Islah. He didn't wait for Islah to come to him. That first time when that person knocked on his door, that was, that was Allah's irada that that person, yeah, that was his sign. But Bishr al-Hafi made a decision when the door was open. And which, and which was that he left. And he went after that person. Now, and then add to that, that he left in the condition of no shoes. Which means that when opportunity comes, it's not likely to come again. So take advantage of it in any way. Take advantage of that opportunity in any way. That person left and his, that door of opportunity was leaving for Bishr al-Hafi. But for whatever reason in that moment, he took that chance and he says, no, I'm going to go after him. He didn't look for his shoes. He didn't look for anything to... He just went, I got to go find that person. This very much reminded me of the story of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum when the call came for the battle of Badr, for the fight. Some of the Sahaba, they responded and said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, allow us, I'm ready. I'm ready. But let me just go into my house and grab my weapons. He says, just go and stay in your house then. I need you now. Now, as you are, let's go. Not, I'm going to go into my house and let me go get some stuff and prepare. I need you now. The call is now, let's go now. That window of opportunity, that if you don't take them, it will be gone. And in another ayah of the Quran, the very famous story of Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, if I didn't get the Sahabi wrong, where it mentions in the Quran about the three people who remained behind during one of the battles because it was peak fruit season. Very beautiful story. But in any case, they missed that opportunity. And that's a very lengthy story, so maybe at another chance we'll go over that story. But in any case, going back, that when that door of opportunity comes for a person to change their life, it may not come again. So the moment you recognize it, you have to take advantage of that. That's the second lesson in the story of Bishr al-Hafi. And third lesson is, is that Bishr al-Hafi, in that moment, when he became face-to-face with the stranger, the moment he heard those words, that if you were a slave, you would act like a slave. That was enough for him to say, I, that's it, I've changed my life. He didn't wait for a deep explanation. He didn't wait for a sign from Allah, you know, that the sky starts raining and thunder and lightning and, you know, some... Because people are ajib, we, we wait for signs like that. Ya Allah, give me a sign. There was a young brother who was 15 years old. He said to me, he says, I'm willing to change my life if Allah gives me a sign. Allah directly has to give me a sign. I was like, what, do you, what, what does that even look like? Do you even know what you would want? Allah is going to give you a sign. What if the fact that you are talking to me right now is your sign? What if that's your sign? No, no, it has to be like, it has to be big. It has to be real. And he's probably thinking like, I don't know, like X-Men or something, you know? There has to be a superpower. There has to be some maz- amazing thing happening in the sky. Then that's my sign. But the reality is, is that's the sign. That, that, that opportunity, that moment, maybe that's enough. So it's for you to recognize and take advantage of it when that moment appears. But continuing on with that story of Bishr al-Hafi, it's very interesting. So this was the first moment in his life, before Tawbah and then Tawbah. But it doesn't end there because Bishr al-Hafi became very popular. He became very well-known. He became a very pious person, actually. He became very, uh, a muttaqi person to such an extent that it mentions the other part of the story, <clears throat> that they mentioned that uh, one of the students of Bishr al-Hafi said, oh, Sheikh, you know, your name, when, when people talk about you, they talk about you 
that when people talk about you, it's as if they're talking about a prophet. That's how popular you are. That's how a big deal you are. How is that? He goes, you know, subhanAllah, this is a fadl from Allah. I didn't really do anything. I'm not sure how I could have gotten that name. But he said, if there was anything in my life for why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would honor me in such a way, then one story comes to my mind. One story comes to my mind. So he says, he said, one day I was walking, and I was walking on my road, and he says, I stopped, and I saw on the ground, there was a little piece of paper that was balled up, and it was on the ground. So I picked it up, and I look inside, and I read, and it says, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So he says, I wiped it, and then I put it in my pocket. Then what I did was, he said, I only had two gold coins. In my entire possession, I only had two gold coins. You can say all of his wealth. So I went to the perfume store, and I bought the most expensive perfume I could buy and I could afford with those two gold coins. And what did I do? I wiped it on that piece of paper that said the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, then I went to sleep that night, normal, rest of my day. And he says, I saw He says, I saw in my dream as if someone was saying to me, O Bishr ibn al-Harith, you elevated my name and and you purified it and you put beautiful utur on it. You put beautiful perfume on it. He says, he said, so then Allah, this voice says, I will most certainly purify your name in this dunya and the akhirah. Then the rest is history, as they say. Then that's exactly what happened. Because as the story goes, his student is saying, How, Shaykh, did you become so popular? This was that blessing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Bishr al-Hafi. And another interesting point to keep in mind, because remember, this is all related to tawbah. How a person's life, from where it was to where it became, was because of that tawbah. That sincere changing of your life. That sincere moment where you said, now I'll never do this again. Going back to that hadith. Kullu bani adam khata'un. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Wa khayrul khata'ina tawabun. But this is where Bishr al-Hafi um, escalated and he, and, he, and he did and he improved. This is where he showed himself. Because what did he do? He didn't stay in his mistake. Oh, I'm a drunk. Oh, I'm a womanizer. Oh, I throw parties and music. No, he made tawbah that day and he said never again. And he changed his life altogether. But there's a very interesting story that mentions about him. Uh, just one. Yeah, so he mentions. So it was his habit that after that day when that person knocked on his door to never wear shoes again. So someone had asked him one, one day, Oh, Shaykh, why don't you wear shoes? You don't wear shoes. You know, after that day, we've just never seen you wear shoes. So he says, Subhanallah. He says, he says, because my Allah made islah of me while I was in the condition of barefootedness, therefore I will never change that condition until the day I die. Because Allah gave me this ni'mah. He changed my life when I was in the condition of I didn't have any shoes on. So I'm not going to change that now. 
Allah made islah of me in that condition. Therefore, I am not going to change my condition now, you know, just for whatever reason. So this is one story. I mentioned two stories. One story of one person of Bishr ibn al-Harith, al-Hafi. And how, again, relating back to the hadith, because our whole discussion here is about that hadith of tawbah. That it doesn't matter what life you lived or what you've done in the past as long as you don't stay in that condition. Both literally and also mentally. Don't keep reminding yourself, oh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Look at the story of Bishr al-Hafi. Bishr al what did Bishr do? After that day of his tawbah, he changed his life again. He kept moving up, up, up and closing, gaining talaqi and a relationship with Allah and increased himself and his life. He didn't get stuck with the lifestyle that he was doing. He moved forward from there. He got better from there. He surpassed that. And the second story I want to mention to you is also a very beautiful story. These are from the stories that usually you don't forget. You hear them once or twice and then you don't forget these stories just because of how impactful they were. And this was the story of the famous muhaddith Zadan al-Kindi. So why I know this person's name, this tabi'i, is because in hadith, in Tirmidhi, as we were reading, his name came up. So our teacher, he said, he has a very interesting story, go find him. So everyone went on a search to find who Zadan is. Alhamdulillah, I was able to find that story. So I went and I found Zadan's story, and it was a very, it's such a touching story. Subhanallah. So again, now let's look at the person's life before, and that person's life after their tawbah. And this all has to do with tawbah. Why? Because this book is called At-Tawabin. So this is a book of stories full of incidents where people made tawbah. So it mentions that the great Sahabi, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, one day he was walking past a particular area in Kufa. Okay, he was passing a particular area in Kufa in Iraq. And he saw there was a couple of young guys. And they were hanging out. And they were, what were they doing? They were all hanging out and they were drinking. So a bunch of the guys got together and they decided to start drinking that day. Right? And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the Sahabi, he was passing by that area. And they were also playing and, and singing. And I think they had like a, a, a stringed instrument. Kind of like a, like, a, like a sitar or like a rabab type instrument that they were playing music and they were drinking. So look at this condition. They were playing music and drinking alcohol. So this person, Zadan himself, he was the singer and the musician. And he had a very beautiful voice, extremely beautiful voice. And look at this, Ajib. Look how the fate of these two people come together. A alcoholic musician, young alcoholic musician, is hanging out with his friends and they're enjoying some time and they're playing music. And the greatest, one of the top Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, is passing by and he hears Zadan singing and playing music. Because he's not only playing the music, but he's singing to it. And what does he say? Subhanallah, he says, how beautiful a voice this is. He's hearing it as he's walking. How beautiful a voice that is. If only he would use that, whoever that is, for the recitation of the Quran. He just made a comment to himself. 
Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He said it out loud, but he was walking past that area. He said, how beautiful a sound, how beautiful a voice that is. If only he would use that for the qira'atul Qur'an, the recitation of Qur'an. So, that's interesting. So, in both stories, it looks like while these people were drowning in their ghafla, they still had a little bit of attention where they could hear what's going on around them. You know, they were a little self-aware. They knew what was happening around them because both Bishr al-Hafi heard what happened with his slave girl and now even Zadan in his half-drunkenness, half-partying mode heard Abdullah ibn Mas'ud saying something. So he asked. So Zadan asked, he said, what did he say? Who is that? Who, who was that just there? So they said, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, sahibu Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa So then he says, wa ayyu shayin qal? What did he say? He said that uh, how beautiful a voice that was. If only it would be used for the recitation of the Quran. Now, subhanAllah, look, there was no judgment here. Nobody made a face. Nobody said that, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, and, and think about this. Sahaba were alive. I mean, I don't know about you, but just like thinking about that kind of a situation, I'm thinking about like, okay, some friends here, you know, and, you know, I don't know. And like you think about maybe your friends, if you ever, you know, in the past, maybe you knew people who used to do stuff like this. They had a lifestyle like that. But then imagine you're living in the era of the Sahaba. This just goes to show how, you know, the humanity of people has been existent since forever. There was, you know, even in that time, it wasn't like every single person at the time of the Sahaba was, you know, super pious, doing everything correct all the time, 24-7. You know, there was people who lived regular lives too. And this is such a beautiful example of that. So Khair, in any case, after Zadan, they told him what Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu anhu said. What did he say? First thing he did, he said, he said, after he heard what Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, what did he do? He stood up, he took his guitar and he smashed it, his sitar, whatever it was, his instrument, he smashed it upon the earth and he just completely just destroyed it. Then he ran to catch up with him. He ran to catch up with Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And you know, it mentions that he put this shawl over his neck. He put the shawl over himself, over his shoulders. And what did he do? He started crying a lot, just profusely, this Zadan. Zadan started crying profusely. And when he started crying, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu also started crying, the Sahabi. Imagine this young man, drunk musician, runs up to like the biggest sheikh in town. And because he heard his bayan or he heard his talk or he heard his nasiya, he heard his advice and he just starts crying in front of you that sheikh gives him a hug he gives him a hug and then so he mentions Abdullah ibn Mas'ud also gives him a hug and then everybody started crying not only were the two of them Zadan and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud crying everybody around them also started crying everybody's watching this is crying such a touching moment. Then Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, How could I not love the person who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud the Sahabi is saying this to Zadan. So then with that statement, Zadan said, I make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, look at this ajib thing. What does Zadan do after this moment, this situation? He spends time with 
Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Lazama Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He, he spends time with him. He stays around him, goes into that circle, in that crowd, until he learns the Quran. And he took knowledge from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And then he became an imam in ilm, this zadan. And he narrates from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Salman al-Farisi even. And subhanAllah, we're sitting here today on a Saturday night reading the story of Zadan, who was a young alcoholic musician, minding his own business, hanging out with his friends one day. And just the presence of a Sahabi or a pious person walking past that area was sufficient that his story is now saved and recorded in history. I read his name in my books of hadith, in the Sanad of hadith. I read his name. He is remembered in the books of hadith. And he is remembered in this light. No longer as that young alcoholic musician. But rather in the light of, of what? He was an alim, an imam in his field. And he spent time with Salman al-Farisi and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So what are the takeaway lessons from the story of Zadan? That number one, he, could, he was hanging out with his friends and just the presence, just the presence of a pious person in that area, in that locality can have such an effect upon the people that are around, the people that are there. And we see this in our masjid here. For those who are local to Masjid al-Huda, they know what impact our imam has on this community. Our imam just physically being present here even if there's people not listening to his bayans, even if people are not, just the fact that they know that he's here, they know they can always turn to him. Now that's not exactly the same as this, but it's this idea that just the presence of a pious person in a community has such an effect. Now that's just one person. Imagine if the whole community was like that. That's one lesson. The second lesson is that Abdullah ibn Masood, anhu, his message did not say anything that put down Zadan's alcohol that put down Zadan's music, that put down Zadan being a young man wasting his time. He did not say anything about that. Abdullah ibn Masood radiallahu anhu didn't say anything. So he did not put that person down directly. Sometimes as da'is, what we do is we redirect our discussion to the lifestyle that the person is living. And in a way, it can be misinterpreted as an attack on my sense of self. Even our own Shaykh Hafidahullah ta'ala Maulana Hashim, he used to be a musician when he was younger. And his whole life changed. He was a very famous musician actually. But his whole life changed and he, you know, uh, uh, no one ever put him down. As a matter of fact, the way he changed had nothing to do with his music. That came secondary. He changed his life first. And upon changing his life, that left anyways. The third is, Zadan himself, the person who was impacted in the story, he himself realized that the tools of my ghafla, I had to get rid of them. Now, I'm not encouraging anybody to take your cell phones now and start smashing them. But what I'm saying is that he himself recognized what was my test. He himself knew what was my, the thing that I struggled the hardest with. There are a lot of people whose hearts are attached to music. A lot of young people. Their hearts are attached to music. They just, they can do everything, but they just can't let go of music. Same thing with alcohol for some people. Same thing with haram food. Some, same thing with women for some people. But you have to be real and honest to yourself. This is what Zadan did. This is the breakaway lesson for all of us. That each one of us knows for ourselves what our test is in this life. 
You all know, we all know, I, I know. You have to be truthful to yourself to say, I know that this is my test. I have to distance myself from that thing so that my toba can be accepted. And we know that story of that man who killed 99 people. And then when he went to the Christian you know, priest and he said, is there forgiveness? He said, no. So he took him out too and made that 100. And then he went to the imam and the imam said to him, yes, of course, but you have to leave the land of the fusaq. You have to leave the land of the fitna and go change your life. You have to change the environment. Get away from that thing which is causing you to slip. That was the advice there, same advice here. And Abdul, uh, Zadan himself did this. No intervention from anyone. MashaAllah, they had that awareness. He knew that music was his problem, he got rid of it. And then the third lesson, and inshallah we'll wrap up with this. He spent time in the company of the ulama. He spent time in the company of the sulaha, of the awliya, of those who had taqwa, of those people that when you see them, you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what Zadan did. Again, now in his story, nobody told him to do that, but he himself did it. Here we are taking this nasiha ourselves, that if there is in our da'wah, in our speaking to others, in our own lives, with our families, remember this has such an impact, your suhbah, who you keep yourself with. Suhbah can be with your phone also, in a negative way. Suhbah can be with your friends. This Jummah khutbah on Friday, we spoke about that. The Nabi Sallallahu says that That a person is upon the religion of his friend. So be careful and cautious of who you take as a friend. So with that, respected brothers and sisters, the takeaway lesson here is, is that with Tawbah, there's all these lessons. I'm not going to recap all of them. But the, the takeaway here is, is that the hadith of the Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, Kullu bani Adam khatta'un wa khayrul khatta'in at-tawabun. That the, all of mankind will make mistakes. As we saw clearly in the two stories of Bishr al-Hafi and Zadan. But, wa khayrul khatta'in at-tawabun. That the best of those who make mistakes are those who change their life. They make tawbah. And in the state and the condition of Bishr al-Hafi, we saw his tawbah. And in the story of Zadan al-Kindi, we also saw his tawbah. And we also pray and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah accept our tawbah as well. That Allah take us away from that area and those fitan and those things that take our attention away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for continuous tawfiq. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable, enable us to keep the company of the ulama and the sulaha and the pious. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take our heart away from that unmindfulness. And that Allah allow us true tawfiq uh, to make true tawbah. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdihi nashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayhi.